Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. This week, I am bringing you a report like none I've ever done before. I was sent a YouTube video by a friend that just hit the ball out of the park regarding everything I've been telling you for months. In the video, a young Jewish man, Nathan Stoltman, brings the connections together in the best way I have seen so far. Which connections? The Jewish Kabad Freemasonry Cabal President Vladimir Putin and President Donald Trump. The sisters, the House of Judah and the House of Israel, are busy working to bring the world the Jewish Messiah. Yes, there are people from houses who are working together to bring the Jewish Messiah to rule the earth, and President Trump is involved in this. Not only does Nathan prove this point, but he explains Orthodox Judaism's supremacist doctrine from their own theological documents. Nathan Stoltman presents the information from the secular viewpoint. I will be bringing his information into prophetic Hebraic perspective, making comments along the way, but I won't be transcribing those comments. So, listen carefully. Welcome to the future. What it is. I'm your host, Nathan Stoltman. And I bring you the news. The real news. Welcome. Thanks for joining me for this live presentation on a subject that you might not know much about and might be a lot more important than you would have ever thought in the, on the world stage. So we're going to tell you about something called Chabad Lubavitch, which the title says is a Jewish supremacist doomsday cult, doomsday cult behind the New World Order. That's a big claim to make. So we have to go through a a lot of information to try to justify those claims. And I, I think we can kind of do it. So we're going to show you some connections between this small little sect of Judaism and uh, some very powerful people in our world, um, like the people around Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. Let's get started where, with where we first started hearing about Chabad in the news, or at least when it came on our radar. This was an article from Politico from April 9th of last year titled The Happy-Go-Lucky Jewish Group That Connects Trump and Putin where Trump's real estate world meets a top religious ally of the Kremlin. This is where we're going to find out about Chabad. Chabad of Port Washington, a Jewish community center on Long Island's Manhasset Bay, sits in a squat brick edifice across from a shell station at a strip mall. The center is an unexceptional building on an unexceptional street, save for one thing. 
Some of the shortest routes between Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin run straight through it. Two decades ago, as the Russian president set about consolidating power on one side of the world, he embarked on a project to supplant his country's existing Jewish civil society and replace it with a parallel structure loyal to him. On the other side of the world, the brash Manhattan developer was working to get a piece of the massive flows of capital that were fleeing the former Soviet Union in search of stable assets in the West, especially real estate, and seeking partners in New York with ties to the region. I'll just take a pause here. Putin, looking to supplant the Jewish civil society in his country, he uh, ended up working with Abramovich and Levliev, these oligarchs. Starting in 1999, Putin enlisted two of his closest confidants, the oligarchs Lev Leviev and Roman Abramovich, who would go on to become Chabad's biggest patrons worldwide to create the Federation of Jewish Communities of Russia under the leadership of Chabad Rabbi Beryl Lazar, who would come to be known as Putin's rabbi. And if you saw the title screen for this video, that's a picture of Putin with Lazar, Putin's rabbi. A few years later, Trump would seek out Russian projects and capital by joining forces with a partnership called Bayrock Sapir, led by Soviet emigres Tevfik Arif, Felix Sater, and Tamir Sapir, who maintained close ties to Chabad. The company's ventures would lead to multiple lawsuits alleging fraud and criminal investigation of a condo project in Manhattan. They're writing about this because it's alleged that the Russians interfered with our election and that Trump is somehow linked to Putin. And what we're finding out is that Trump, in a way, is directly linked to Putin through the individuals we're talking about in this story who are all associated with this tiny Jewish doomsday sect called Chabad Lubavitch. You see almost the intersection of Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. And, and with them meeting coming up here, I think this is more relevant than ever. Meanwhile, the links between Trump and Chabad kept piling up. In 2007, Trump hosted the wedding of Sapir's daughter and Leviev's right-hand man at Mar-a-Lago, his Palm Beach resort. A few months after the ceremony, Leviev met Trump to discuss potential deals in Moscow and then hosted a bris for the new couple's first son at the holiest site in Chabad Judaism. Trump attended the bris, along with Kushner, who would go on to buy a $300 million building from Leviev, and marry Ivanka Trump, who would form a close relationship with Abramovich's wife, Dasha Shukova. Shukova would host the power couple in Russia in 2014 and reportedly attend Trump's inauguration as their guest. In case you're not getting all the connections, I want to make sure it's clear. Putin decided to embark on taking over control of the Jewish civil society or making sure that it was under the control of someone sympathetic to him. He enlisted a Chabad rabbi. That was all with the help of these oligarchs, Lev Leviev and Roman Abramovich, who you know, who happened to be two of the largest funders of Chabad, which we're going to find out about, don't worry. And then Trump ends up, through this partnership with three people associated with Chabad, ends up hosting the wedding of one of those people's daughters with the right-hand man of this oligarch from Russia. 
So right here is where I really began to understand the connection between Trump and Kabad. I had not really, I, I knew there was an association, but I had not seen how closely tied in Donald Trump and his family are to Chabad. I had just seen it as a kind of a coincidental association because Jared Kushner, whom Ivanka Trump married, happened to be associated with Chabad. But Trump's association is even greater than just through marriage. Keep listening because this is important for us to understand how the White House is actually helping the Jews to bring about their Jewish Messiah. This isn't just about any possible coincidence between the Sanhedrin and Israel trying to create a new United Nations under Judaism with Nikki Haley as its honorary president for whom they minted a coin. This is about a real solid coalition between the United States and the Kabad Sanhedrin. And the connections don't stop there. Then there's a bris at the gravesite of the holiest figure in Chabad, Rabbi Schneerson, who you're going to find out about. And Trump was there. Here, as far as Obramovich, he is associated here in this article from August 2017, billionaire ally of Putin, socialized with Kushner and Ivanka Trump. So they're good friends. So the connections run actually quite deep. As far as Putin's connections to Chabad, this is an article actually from November 28, 2014 called Putin's Chosen People and talks about Vladimir Putin's odd relationship with this small sect of Judaism. One of the places where I believe that Nathan Stoltman gets it wrong is in calling Chabad a small sect of Judaism. Now, I know that, you know, organizations can claim things about themselves, but the truth of the matter is that most of the people in Israel are Orthodox. They come from Chabad. In fact, if you look at uh, Wikipedia, Chabad, Chabad is one of the largest, best-known Hasidic movements, and it is one of the largest Hasidic groups and Jewish religious organizations in the world. So I wish Nathan Stoltman would stop calling it a small sect of Judaism. I think that the reason he does this is because he is himself a secular Jew, meaning he is a non-religious Jew. And I can imagine for secular Jews that it is kind of irking to have a uh, religious organization running the show for all Jews. Let me talk to you now about Jared Kushner's connections. Kushner Foundation. This is from Forward. Kushner Foundation gives $342,000 to Chabad. Still surprised about Jared and Ivanka's synagogue? So Jared and the Kushners giving quite a bit of money to the Chabad movement, which is a pro-settler movement, by the way. Uh, ends up being a pro-Zionist movement in addition to 
uh, being a bit of a doomsday movement, a messianic movement. Kushner and his wife, Ivanka, who converted to Judaism to, in order to marry Jared Kushner. We're going to learn a little more about Jared Kushner as well. Kushner comes from Orthodox Jews, from an Orthodox Jewish family. His grandparents were Holocaust survivors. And he and Ivanka decided to move to the neighborhood because keeping the Sabbath with Orthodox Jews, you have to be able to walk to the synagogue on Saturdays on the Sabbath not allowed to drive a car or handle money or any of those things. So you end up having these Hasidic communities that are all live around the walking distance to their synagogue. And Kush, uh, Jared and Ivanka ended up buying property that happened to be within walking distance of Chabad Lubavitch. Jared and Ivanka made a pilgrimage to the grave of the Chabad Rebbe Manishem Mendel Schneerson where they reportedly made a special prayer for Ivanka's brother. Let me tell you a little bit more about Jared Kushner, just to do a little bit of background. He's the most earnestly connected with Chabad Lubavitch. This is him speaking at the Chabad house at Harvard. It is with great pleasure that I welcome you all to help celebrate the dedication of our new Chabad Center. As can be seen by the wonderful turnout here today, that's him. Everybody says, when do we get to hear his voice? I don't have to tell you that for as important as Kushner will be in the Israeli peace deal, he doesn't make a lot of media appearances, and it is just as Nathan said. People ask, when will they get to hear his voice? This secrecy around Jared is what fuels the idea that he is the Jewish Messiah. I want to play you a little story so you get a background on, on Jared's father, Charles Kushner, who was a big-time crooked fundraiser for the Democrats, big-time crooked fundraiser, got in trouble for it, was on trial for it, and then he decided to start trying to tamper uh, with uh, cooperating witnesses. Go ahead, listen to this story. Governor McGreevy's top political fundraiser was arrested today on obstruction of justice and related federal charges. New Jersey-based developer Charles Kushner is charged with hiring a prostitute to blackmail two witnesses in a federal investigation where he is a target. Mr. Kushner engaged in a conspiracy with co-conspirators to hire prostitutes to entice witnesses who were cooperating with the federal investigation into engaging in sex acts with those prostitutes and to have those sex acts then videotaped. After the taping, according to the complaint, Kushner then arranged to have the tape and still pictures taken from it sent to the cooperating witness's wife. Okay, you got to hear this. You heard the story that Charles Kushner, the bloodline that Jared came from, got in trouble for crooked uh, campaign donations. By the way, all to Democrats, okay? Same family, same family tree. And then his, they didn't mention, he hired prostitutes in order to sleep with cooperating witnesses and then videotape it and send it to their wives in order to intimidate them about cooperating with the authorities. What they don't tell you in that story is it was his sister it was his brother-in-law that he had a prostitute hired for, 
because they were cooperating with the feds, okay? So he decided to do that to his brother-in-law, then send his wife the videotape on the day that they were going to be having friends over for a party. That That's cold-blooded. So if the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, so you might say then there's a bad tree uh, hanging around, and that would have been uh, Charles Kushner. Every year we recognize Chabad and the Rebbe Schneerson, who's recognized almost as a mess- messianic figure in their religion. We're going to talk about it. Every year we celebrate it. And if you caught, if you were here early in this uh, presentation, then you would have seen uh, all the pictures of all the presidents with them. And I'm going to show you a meeting with Mr. Reagan. Education Day is what it's called. Here are some photos from Education Day. Ever since 1978, we have Education Day declared, and we honor the Rebbe Schneerson. And here's a picture of Ronald Reagan. Here is George Bush Sr., Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, all surrounded by men in hats with long beards, right? Let me show you. Uh, how that went with Reagan. The ethical teachings of the Lubavitchers maybe have as much relevance today as they ever have. The values on which the movement is based, wisdom and reverence, are not just desirable, but necessary for the very survival of civilization. Now we shall proclaim this day, education day. I'm showing you all this, all this reverence to the Rebbe Schneerson, because I'm going to tell you some things he said that aren't really brought up on his Wikipedia page or in the articles that you mostly read about this happy-go-lucky Jewish group with very few members, maybe maybe in the low six digits, maybe in the five digits, maybe 200,000 people worldwide, max. I've reported about the U.S. Congress's designating Kabad a special day on March 26, 1991. Nathan continues diminishing Kabad by using small numbers, but let's take a look at some of those numbers as given on Kabad's website. Their numbers may be exaggerated, but this is what we have to go on. We, uh, on this page titled, Kabad Lubavitch globally, the global circle. Isn't that interesting? It says they have over 3,300 centers globally in 75 countries, 4,600 full-time Kabad rabbis and families, 20,000 support staff, and an annual budget of $5 billion, with a B dollars. They have 91,000 members in North America and over 210,000 members worldwide, all under the age of 13. Now, this is important because their outreach to children is huge. 177,000 children toured Kabad Lubavitch model matzah factories worldwide, and 150,000 school children a year are educated with drug and alcohol prevention classes, pamphlets, and workshops. Now, I get Nathan's point, 
as religious sects go, Kabod is small on the earth. But it is not as insignificant as he makes it to be. The fact is that Kabod has a greater reach across the globe than any other Jewish sect. And Kabod is the foundation of Judaism's inclusion in the New World Order. The New World Order is simply a 2-3% to of the wealthiest global population who control the planet and its people. And Kabod is a small section of that. But the caveat is that since the scripture says Israel will be the pivot of the earth for the coming great tribulation, Kabod is singularly driving Israel and the earth toward that destiny. He's starting to see that they seem to have some kind of outsized influence. Here is President Obama with some members of Chabad at Newtown after the Sandy Hook shootings. This is how Chabad is tied into the Mueller investigation. A Chabad house in Long Island becomes fulcrum in Mueller probe. Individuals associated with the Chabad port of Washington allegedly facilitated contact between loyalists of the Ukrainian president and U.S. President Donald Trump's personal lawyer. This is all out because of the Michael Cohen investigation. Turns out that Chabad was working with Michael Cohen to get information from the Ukrainian president to President Donald Trump. This is where this Russian collusion thing isn't so crazy. It's just the, the Russian, you know, it's, it's a specific kind of Russian that he's colluding with. And it wasn't to rig the election. Right. This collusion was not done to rig the election necessarily, although Putin, the friend of Kabad in Russia, and Trump, the friend of Kabad in America, had it done because Kabad now has plans to reveal, like the scripture says, the Antichrist will be revealed, the Jewish Messiah which will turn out to be the Antichrist, as described in Scripture. I am beginning to see how the election of Trump is directly related to Israel, not Russia, to bringing about the next phase of the New World Order's plans, which are not, as I have said over and over, Yahweh's plans. The story's weird, you know. I've been looking at this for a couple of weeks now, and there are a lot of connections. So I'm just showing you how interrelated this is. Now, I told you in the title, and I told you I was going to explain to you, that this is a Jewish supremacist doomsday cult. As far as the doomsday part, you saw my introduction where that was the Rabbi Schneerson saying, do you want Mashiach now? And they respond, we want Mashiach now. Around 1980, this Rabbi Schneerson started telling his followers that we want to bring out the Messianic age. We want to hasten the return of the Messiah. This is to justify the title. I said a doomsday cult. Well, they're looking to bring on the messianic age, the end of days. This is a meeting with the young 
Bibi Netanyahu in 1990, you can see the influence they might have in Israeli politics. Looking to bring on, hasten the coming of the Messiah. Now, a lot of people are going to tell you that it's all about the third temple. They want to bring on the Messianic Age, and people say that has to do with the third temple, which we see come up from time to time. And we and people think there is some kind of conspiracy to resurrect the third temple, and that's not crazy. There are already designs for it, you know, how to make it somewhere we can do ritual sacrifices. It's going to become a sacrifice altar. There are plans in place for that. But, however, as far as Chabad is concerned, everything they say and everything that's in their writings, I don't know what they speak in private, but it has to do with returning to the seven Noahide commandments, which were the commandments given to Adam and Noah by God. So, this is what you need to understand. The Jews are using the building of the third temple as a misdirect. They want everyone to stay focused and send in their money and support the new United Nations which will be led by the Jewish Sanhedrin so that they can put all non-Jews under the Noahide laws. The Noahide laws, as I've said before, are nothing more than a secondary form of Judaism that will appeal to non-Jews everywhere, including Christians, because they are nebulous and broad, open to interpretation. They look like the Ten Commandments, and they don't include all that Jewish stuff. You know, we'll just leave all that law stuff to the Jews, the people will say. Yeah, and by doing so, you will be creating a class system for the entire globe in which Chabad Orthodox Jews will be first class citizens and everyone else will be second class or less, including Reform, conservative, messianic, and secular Jews like this YouTube host, Nathan Stoltman. In their writings it says, if everyone returns to those seven commandments, then the Messiah will return. Uh, but there seems to be a lot more to it and a lot more political influence. And this is the article that really exposes what Habad is all about and gets to the Jewish supremacist component. So this is from Veterans Today. It's an article from the end of last year, December 26, 2017. Ex-Chabad member exposes Trump family cult. And the subtitle, I'll describe Chabad the way I see it given my past membership in it. Chabad is a racist organization, a Jewish supremacist missionary cult whose main goal is Jewish total superiority over the Goyim and their enslavement. 
Now, I, I took some time to fact check this, guys. So this is, to a lot of people, it's shocking and you would immediately turn off and say it's some kind of anti-Semitic propaganda. Everything in this article is written by Jews and the opinion about the Jewish supremacist part of this cult is from someone who actually is Jewish and was a member of Chabad for four years. So it's the words he has, and then we're also going to get into the words of the Rebbe Schneerson and some other Chabad rabbis and also what's in their texts. Let me get started here. Jonas E. Alexis writes, Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsburg is an interesting individual because he has interesting things to say about the Goyim. That's a non-Jew. He argues that there is an eternal or cosmic gap between the Goyim and the Chosen. He declares, quote, If every single cell in a Jewish body entails divinity and is thus a part of God, then every strand of DNA is a part of God. Therefore, something is special about Jewish DNA. He goes on to say, if a Jew needs a liver, can he take the liver of an innocent non-Jew to save him? The Torah would probably permit that. Jewish life has an infinite value. There is something more holy and unique about Jewish life than about non-Jewish life. So understand this. If you are a Jew, you have Yahweh's DNA. You have God's DNA. Every excluded from having God's DNA. Therefore, what the Jews are doing is the reverse of what was done in Germany, where the Jews were made into the lower life forms, the insects, and so forth. This is a backlash to being called monkeys and insects and so forth. Now they're claiming they literally have God's DNA in them. This is a Chabad rabbi. He also got in trouble here. Book Condoning Murder has another rabbi in hot water. In this case, the same rabbi who is uh, one of the most respected in terms of mystical Judaism in Chabad, said in this book, um, quote, it is permissible to kill the righteous among nations even if they are not responsible for the threatening situation. If we kill a Gentile who has sinned or has violated one of the seven commandments because we care about the commandments, there is nothing wrong with the murder. That's a Chabad rabbi. I'm going to get to the words of Schneerson himself and then get back to how it does cross over somewhat into regular Jewish life. Schneerson is quoted as saying, and quote, the difference between a Jewish and a non-Jewish person stems from the common expression, let us differentiate. Thus, we do not have a case of profound change in which a person is merely on a superior level. Rather, we have a case of let us differentiate between totally different species. This is what needs to be said about the body. The body of a Jewish person is of a totally different quality from the body of members of all nations of the world. They're referring to you and me and every non-Jew who is inferior to a Jew, folks. The Jewish body looks as if it were, it, it were similar in substance to bodies of non-Jews, but the meaning is that the bodies only seem to be similar in material substance, outward look, and superficial quality. The difference of inner quality, however, is so great that the bodies should be considered as completely different species. 
We are non-human. We are some other species. Okay, move on. This is the reason why the Talmud states that there is a halakhic difference in attitude about the bodies of non-Jews as opposed to the bodies of Jews, and their bodies are in vain. An even greater difference exists in regard to the soul. Two contrary types of soul exist. A non-Jewish soul comes from three satanic spheres, while the Jewish st soul stems from holiness. The body of a Jewish embryo is on a higher level than is the body of a non-Jew. We therefore ask, why should a non-Jew be punished if he kills even a non-Jewish embryo where a Jew should not be punished even if he kills a Jewish embryo? Okay, I'm just going to throw this out there. I haven't looked at how many Jews are guiding the abortion industry, so I might just be all washed up about this. But I can see that there might be a connection between the latest abortion atrocity where a baby can be killed at birth and this kabod sentiment. Even if there aren't a lot of Jews leading the abortion industry and its murderous agenda, this Kabad belief certainly has infiltrated the abortion industry and the U.S. lawmakers, many of whom are Jews. To Orthodox Kabad Jews, we are nothing. We are not even worthy of careful killing like the animals at the moment of their sacrifice. They deem us to be that unclean. How can the Jews have this attitude toward other humans? Well, here's how. Let's continue. The answer can be understood by considering the general difference between Jews and non-Jews. A Jew is not created as a means for some other purpose. He himself is the purpose, since the substance of all divine emanations was created only to serve the Jews. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, means that the heavens and the earth were created for the sake of the Jews, who are called the beginning. This means everything, all developments, all discoveries, the creation, including the heavens and the earth, are vanity compared to the Jews. The important things are the Jews because they do not exist for any other aim. They themselves are the divine aim. And this, my friends, is what I have been telling you over the last several months, that the Jews believe they are the only reason for Yahweh's existence. It's them that is Yahweh's aim. They don't want anybody else. They want only them. I wanted to go to the text as well and not just get quotes from the rabbis in case they were misquoted. So this is from one of their most sacred texts, the Tanya. And it's an example among many examples that differentiate a Jewish soul from a non-Jewish soul, for example, as is true in this case. This is on Chabad.org, their interpretation of this sacred text, the Tanya, which was written by their first Rebbe. It says, when a, when a Jew acts in a benevolent manner, he is motivated mainly out of concern for the welfare of his fellow. The proof is that were his fellow not to need his help, they would, this would give him greater pleasure than the gratification derived from his act of kindness. 
Concerning the nations of the world, however, this is not so. Their motivation is not the welfare of their fellow. Rather, it stems, it stems from a self-serving motive, the desire for self-glorification, a feeling of gratification, and the like. So let me get this straight. They think that the nations should fall in step with the Jewish idea that the nations are nothing. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Each year at Passover, you say, Next year in Jerusalem. Well, this is the year. Join Ani Yosef for 13 glorious days in and around Jerusalem, beginning with four days of service to the land, followed by Passover and a week of touring in Jerusalem. For just $825, get lodging and two meals per day while staying in a Jewish community with other Hebrews from all over the world. Go to AniYosef.com for details. That is A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F.com. Join us this year in Jerusalem. Thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry, and your help is much appreciated. It should be noted that among the nations of the world, there are also to be found those whose souls are derived from Kalapet Noga, called the pious ones of the nations of the world. These righteous individuals are benevolent, not out of selfish motives, but of genuine concern for their fellow. Well, the point is, is that Jews, the Jewish soul in these texts comes from a holy place where the soul of a non-Jew comes from a non-holy place. In this example, they say that even if non-Jews do good things, they're not doing them out of altruism or concern for their fellow man. They're doing it for selfish reasons because their souls come from a bad place. That's in the text. So I'm not really making any claims, although it sounds, when you first read this, it sounds pretty extreme. This is the story from Michael Berg, who's a Jew who became, who uh, entered the Chabad cult for four years and wanted to write about it after his experience. He says, We used to have meetings in which we had discussed the coming of the Jewish Messiah and the future world as envisioned by Chabad and the Jewish religion. A world where the Jews are the supreme masters of the earth, where every individual Jew has as many as 2,800 Gentile slaves. A world where the only purpose of non-Jews is to serve Jews. On the other hand, the Jews are considered as the seed of God. What and who is Chabad? I'll describe Chabad the way I see it given my past membership in it. Chabad is a racist organization, a Jewish supremacist missionary cult whose main goal is Jewish total superiority over the Goyim and their enslavement. He talks about how Chabad become missionaries and are sent out to take in maybe non-practicing Jews, and they are very happy-go-lucky on the outside sect, by the way. Uh, according to Chabad, Jews themselves are God. Usury is permitted and encouraged against non-Jews. Chabad's movement book, the Tanya, is all about the Jews being God on earth and non-Jews as being no more than animals, inferior without souls. 
If they do have souls, their souls are demonic and satanic and originate in the Kalapot, Athmiot, i.e. the whole unholy spheres, or the Sitra Akra. Gentiles are animals without souls in their eyes. The Jewish soul is God incarnate. The entire universe, including the trillions of galaxies, stars, and planets, were created solely for the Jews and by God, who is actually a manifestation of the Jewish people himself. One fingernail of a Jew is worth more than the entire non-Jewish world populations. That includes Europeans, Muslims, Asians, and Africans, according to Chabad. He goes on to talk about his opinion about them being a critical part of the New World Order, New World Order being run out of Jerusalem. Now we have a connection between Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump, two big parts of the New World Order connected directly to Chabad, through intermediaries like Roman Abramovich, who, by the way, just immigrated to Israel. Roman Abramovich couldn't get his visa in the UK and just decided to immigrate to Israel, just became the richest citizen. And in Israel, when you move there, you don't have to, decl- you don't have to pay taxes on income earned abroad for 10 years, and you also don't have to say where it came from. Interesting perks of being Jewish. Any Jewish person can get citizenship in Israel, immigrate to Israel, and they even give you a few shekels when you get there to get yourself set up. It's, it's, it's quite a deal. Now, if you're an oligarch like Roman Abramovich, you also get to launder billions and billions of dollars. Something else. Really is quite a privilege. Here's just some more information about words associated with people associated with Chabad. This is from Rabbi Manus Friedman. He's a Chabad Lubavitch Hasid, noted biblical scholar, author, counselor, and speaker. He said on the Israeli-Arab conflict, quote, I don't believe in Western morality, i.e. don't kill civilians or children, don't destroy holy sites, don't fight during holiday seasons, don't bomb cemeteries, don't shoot until they shoot first because it is immoral. The only way to fight a moral war is the Jewish way. Destroy their holy sites, Kill men, women, and children, and cattle. He says the first Israeli prime minister declares that he will follow the Old Testament will finally bring peace to the Middle East. Like I said, Jared Kushner, huge donor, regularly attends services with Chabad Lubavitch. And here he is at the opening of the new U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. In December of last year, President Trump announced to the world that the United States would finally recognize the truth, that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Jared Kushner, currently working on our Middle East peace plan. There he was on the day that nonviolent Palestinians were being shot and killed at the border by Israeli snipers. Jared Kushner also gives money to groups that support settlements, by the way. He's working on our Middle East peace plan. What does it mean to be affiliated with Chabad, given what Chabad thinks about Jews versus non-Jews, for example. Should that be the guy negotiating Middle East peace for us? Before Donald Trump, it didn't seem like Chabad had any preferences for candidate. This is something you might have seen. You might not have realized this was Chabad Lubavitch dancing with our friend Alex Jones. Can we get a 
as good as the answer as you guys. Alex, you're a great man. Well, you, you guys did are this. You made it all happen. together. Yes, yeah. Alex. Can you feel the support, right, from Israel, from this group? You did this, Alex. You got Donald Trump elected. Look how excited. How much influence does this group have over the Donald Trump White House? How much influence does this group have over Vladimir Putin? How beholden are our leaders to the interests of this messianic cult? That's what I've been trying to explore. That's the question I wanted to ask you guys today. One last story. Donald Trump, another association with Habad. He ended up freeing this kosher butcher who ran a house of terrors, as far as we can tell. And it was after Alan Dershowitz decided to plead on his behalf. Child labor, sexual abuse, um, making fake visas for immigrants, slave labor, animal rights abuses. But he was also freed by Donald Trump right at the end of December of last year at the request of Alan Dershowitz. Okay, I think I got, I think I got through uh, the information I wanted to get to you guys today. It was a couple weeks of research, and I just wanted to make sure to present it all together. So I don't know the answers. I don't know that these guys are controlling the world or anything. I just was looking around, and they have a lot of connections to a lot of important people. They have over 4,000 centers all around the world trying to recruit Jews into their way of thinking. And you can see in their writings and the things that their leaders say, and in, in the things that a former member of Chabad says, that they have some beliefs that if they were beliefs of another people, they would not be uh, considered okay. And let me go back. I'm going to go back to the Veterans Day article. But this is the person affiliated with this group, Jared Kushner, who is preparing the Middle East peace plan. Do you think he's going to be an honest broker for the other side? As far as how some of this Jewish supremacist tint gets on run-of-the-mill standard Judaism, there are some quotes from this article. This is from Stephen Steinlight, former director of national affairs for the American Jewish Committee. He said, quote, I'll confess it at least. Like thousands of other typical Jewish kids of my generation, I was reared as a Jewish nationalist, even a quasi-separatist. I was taught the superiority of my people to the Gentiles who had oppressed us. We were taught to view non-Jews as untrustworthy outsiders, people from whom sudden gusts of hatred might be anticipated, people less sensitive, intelligent, and moral than ourselves. We were also taught that the lesson of our dark history is that we could rely on no one. Michael Chabon of the New York Times says, quote, As a Jewish child, I was regularly instructed both subtly and openly, the Jews, the people of Maimonides, uh, Albert Einstein, Jonas Salk, and Meyer Lansky were on the whole smarter, cleverer, more brilliant, more astute than other people. And duly, I would look around the Passover table, say, at the members of my family and remark on the presence of a number of highly intelligent, quick-witted, shrewd, well-educated people filled to bursting with information, explanations, and opinions on a diverse range of content, of topics. Unquote. He says, now he refers to that as nonsense, and it was stupidity of their people, 
but it showed this idea, and I, I, it's repeated, okay? This is one thing I found, and I, I think supremacy in any form is wrong. There's one thing that people say. I, I heard it said, um, uh, Peterson said it, and then somebody else said the same thing, is that if you're wondering, if you're wondering why Jews are overly represented in areas of banking, uh, entertainment, just authority in general, then look no further than the fact that Jews, Ashkenazi Jews, have been tested and it's shown that they have higher IQs than everybody else by a wide margin. So people tell you, well, so if you understand that, then you then you understand. It's, that's why Jews rule the world, you know, if you want to put it that way. But I just had thoughts about that. So that is Jewish supremacist in a way, in a way that people have found acceptable. But if we turned it around and said, well, why are white people CEOs of all these companies, right? Forget whether they're Jewish or not. Why are white people CEOs of all these companies? And then white people turn around and said, well, we're smarter than everybody else. You know, our IQs are higher. Let's say there are tests showing that as well, which I believe there was a controversial book, The Bell Curve, which suggested that. And so what if white people just came out and said, hey, we're smarter than you guys are, so we should be in control? That's what I wonder. I mean, is that form of supremacy acceptable? Okay, I'm going to pause for just a minute. We've listened to Nathan for quite some time, and he's done an excellent job with this. But I want to address what he just said about the supremacy of the Jews over everyone else. There is nothing in scripture that says any of the Israelites, including the Jews or anyone else from any of the 12 tribes, are worth more than Gentiles. Yes, more is expected of us, house of Judah and house of Israel. But that is because the Gentiles are so valuable to Yahweh that he has tried repeatedly to make us a light in the darkness to the Gentiles so the Gentiles will leave their pagan gods to have a relationship with him, his people from both houses, the house of Judah and the house of Israel that are mostly trapped in Christianity have failed. And these particular Kabod Jews from the house of Judah are an even worse failure. Jeremiah chapter 8 talks about the treachery of the house of Judah, the Jews, not the house of Israel but the Jews. Listen to what Jeremiah has to say about them back then. And do you not think that they are still the same people today? Jeremiah 8.5 says, Why has this people turned away? Why does Jerusalem continue in apostasy? They hold on to deceit and refuse to repent. My friends, that's where Kabod is. And in verses 8 to 14, it says, How can you say, Where then the law of the Lord is with us, when in fact the deceitful pen of the scribe has made it into something that deceives? We've just heard Nathan tell us about the deceit of, 
of the Chabad Jews who are now trying to take over the earth. Verse 9, the wise men will be put to shame. They'll be dismayed and taken captive. Look, they have rejected the message from the Lord. So what kind of wisdom do they have? Therefore, I'll give their wives to others and their fields to new owners. Indeed, from the least important to the most important, they're all greedy for dishonest gain. From prophet to priest, they all act deceitfully. They have treated my people's wound superficially, telling them, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. What is that superficial wound? It's the wound between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the house of Judah and the house of Israel. As soon as that split happened, there was no way for the house of Israel to return and be united with the house of Judah because the Jews, the house of Judah, had already decided that they were going to be the only people of Yahweh. Verse 12, Are they ashamed because they have done what is repugnant to God? No, they weren't ashamed at all. They don't even know how to blush. Therefore, they'll fall with those who fall. When I punish them, they'll be brought down, says Yahweh. I would have gathered them, says Yahweh, but there were no grapes on the vine and no figs on the fig tree, and their leaves were withered. What I've given them has been taken away. Why are we sitting here? Join together. Let's go to the fortified cities and perish there. For Yahweh, our Elohim, has condemned us to perish and given us poisoned water to drink because we have sinned against him. You know, that poisoned water is the bitter waters trial that is talked about in the Torah. Yes, Jared Kushner's and Donald Trump's peace will seem like peace, but the reality will be that there will be no peace. And their Jewish Messiah is no Messiah. He is the Antichrist. And look, verse 14 says that Yahweh himself is giving these wise guy Jews poisoned water to drink. Yahweh is giving them poisoned water to drink against him with this hatred of everyone, their false doctrines, and their supremacy doctrine. And I don't, you know, I didn't say anything wrong. You know, this isn't anti-Semitic in any way. I, I, I said what I found through quite a bit of research. And I, I believe it's it's probably something that, you know, a lot of Jews would fess up to, that, you know, there is a little bit of that superiority thing built in. You know, and it's the reason that in Israel there's not a um, there's not much sympathy for the Palestinians. You know, they're brainwashed into believing that they are a you know almost a different type of person than their enemies who are looking to destroy Israel. Anyway, I guess it's controversial. Yes, it is controversial. Most people don't know and don't care to know what is about to happen on the earth. 
many of those who do know and do care could still view this information as too controversial to be true so they won't listen then there are the few the remnant who understand that Yeshua's description of Jacob's trouble has not yet been imagined for the magnitude of evil it represents most people will be blindsided by what is coming the Jewish Messiah that the Chabad Freemasonry cabal is to reveal will have been vetted and approved by the Chabad cabal this means that this Jewish Messiah will have the same doctrine as the Chabad cabal it is necessary for him to be of this opinion for the justification of separating all the people of the earth into two categories Judaism Jews and Gentile Noahides this is the Jewish mimicking of Yahweh separating sheep and goats however the Jewish separation will have nothing to do with righteousness but with Chabad's rabbi's opinion of which category you belong in once you are categorized you will be treated accordingly Jews will have Gentiles as servants every day whether you live or die will be at the behest of your Jewish master this coming situation is going to be so bad that we can't imagine it we've never seen anything like this on the earth before the Jewish Messiah will appear to usher in peace in Israel yet he will provoke Iran and Russia even more than they are being provoked right now Iran won't put up with it the king of the north will attack and the Jewish Messiah will die in battle just as Judaism predicts but this battle will bring a Shiite Messiah with it the Mahdi on the scene who will work to convert all souls to Islam on pain of death the first Antichrist anti-Messiah will bring Jacob's sorrows the next one will bring Jacob's trouble hang on it's going to be a rough ride. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.